Welcome to the Destiny Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. For me, for me, one of the greatest things <clears throat> that helps as a measure line as to what is happening, whether this is God or not, is does it draw me into an encounter with him? Yes or no? That's, that's the first thing. It doesn't even have to be wrong theology. Sometimes it's just flat theology. It's like, okay, you know, you're talking to my intellect. It's great. I can write another book now, but I've not been changed. It's very possible to go to church and walk away completely unchanged, untouched. It is absolutely impossible to encounter God and not be transformed. And, and the, the difference is not whether God shows up or not, because he's here. Yeah? The difference is whether there's an active engaging on your part with the offering that God, the, the, God has something for today. He does. And he hides it. Sometimes it's frustrating that he does. But he hides it because he wants to draw us into deeper dependency just it's that he's not interested in soldiers that you know yes sir just doing the will of god that's he he's got his angels they do much better the will of god they you know they're a lot more obedient than we are they've got a lot less doubt and a lot less anger issues apart from i think gabriel had like do you remember when when he, he talks to zacchaeus the son of no, no, it's like yes, Zachariah, the, the father of John the Baptist. And, and John the Baptist is like, uh, the, the Zachariah, Zachariah, isn't it? Zachariah. Yeah, Zachariah. And he's like, well, um, you're telling me all this stuff, Gabriel, but um, I, don't, I don't believe you. <laughs> and then he's like, do you know who I am? I stand day and night in the presence of God. Like he, he gets really angry. He's like, shut up. Actually, be quiet for the next nine months. There you have it. Like, so I don't know whether they've got anger issues or not. But, um, <clears throat> but it always leads into an encounter. It really does. And... True revelation of the true Jesus will always cause love for, to be manifest in my life. I'm not talking about liberal acceptance of anything and everybody. That's not what love is. This is, I think, this is what we like love to be defined as so nobody gets offended and blah, blah, blah. I'm, I'm not PC at all. I, PC is, honestly... If I can, I may as well. It's demonic because it, it, it really is. And I'm not labeling many things demonic, but political correctness is as at best stupid. And, and most probably most accurately described as demonic because it does not allow conviction to stand because it always accuses conviction of um, of bigotry. I think that's, but that's not beside the beside the point. Um, racism or yeah, superiority of a group. So it doesn't aim, doesn't have to be race, but it can be against anything or anybody. Now, and, and Jesus is the most hardcore, straight-edge person that walked in conviction like nobody else. Yeah, his, his love was never in question. You know, just like, oh, you just stop sinning. But man, I'm going to die for you. Just, you know that. And for us, we, we say either, hey, stop sinning, everything's okay. No, you don't have to stop sinning because, well, let's define sin again so you don't get offended. And what, what do I know? So let's all be friends. Yeah? Let's hug. Or stop sinning and I hate you. And it's, just, it's, it's neither. Jesus is very clearly, ooh, this isn't me. This isn't right. But my love 
has never connected to any sort of um, any any demands or any expectations or anything. Now, the ones, what does Jesus say? <clears throat> the one that's been forgiven much, come on, loves much. Well done, you read the Bible. Whew. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, the one who's forgiven much loves much, implying that the one who hasn't been forgiven much doesn't love much. Now, there's us that grew up in church that haven't done really bad things yet. We haven't killed anybody. We've maybe been drunk once or twice, but that's, that's as bad as we've been, you know. It's like, hmm. um, then, then we think, oh yeah, so, yeah, I... Uh, probably the reason why I don't love as much or I'm not as passionate about Jesus as that person that just got saved out of just depravity, whatever that looked like in their lives, is because, well, I didn't need to be forgiven that much, you know, just like, I only had five sins. It's like, you know, just, of course, I don't, I don't, I don't appreciate the blood of Jesus as much. He hasn't changed my life as much as he changed that sinner's life. You know, it's just like, and, and there we are right back to the Pharisee that says, thank you, God, that you haven't made me as bad as this sinner over there. And there's the sinner that, again, like, this is in the context of the old covenant, but beats his chest and says, have mercy on me. I am a sinner, but have mercy on me. And there's the woman that just comes. Different gospels tell the story slightly different. It doesn't really matter whether she was just anybody off the street, whether she was a prostitute, whether she had a name, whether she, she obviously had a name, but which name? All of that. She comes and she pours herself out because she understands that without Jesus, she is nothing. But with him, she has everything. And Jesus like, she loves much because she understands that she's been forgiven much. And the problem is not that there is less to forgive with us good guys. The problem is that we don't understand that we need the same forgiveness. The problem is that we still walk in such self-righteousness that we think Jesus only needs a little bit of his blood for me, like a little, you know, he can prick his little finger and it's like, oh, this is the blood that's sufficient for Timo because he hasn't, he hasn't messed up as bad as so-and-so. But man, for that person, Jesus definitely had to die, maybe even twice. You know? and And... The problem with our lack of passion for God is that we still think we don't need his forgiveness as much as somebody else. This is, this is me speaking to myself. This who, where there's lack of passion, I'm telling you, this is the most evident thing for self-righteousness in my life. Because I think I don't need to be forgiven. I don't appreciate the radical transformation, the power of the blood in my life because I don't think I need it as much as that person does. I think I haven't experienced it as much. I have been forgiven only a little because, well, there was only a little there to forgive. And he's like, ho, 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 you've only received a little. Yeah, you only love a little. But man, you do still need a lot of forgiveness. And it's not a, it's not even, that was actually wrongly put. It's not that we need a lot of forgiveness. We need to see that we've been forgiven much. I don't, like that is, the more you realize how much you've been forgiven, the more you're gonna love. Does that make sense? So that the revelation, whatever revelation God gives, if it produces that love for Him, for ourselves, and for other people around us, it is Jesus. If that revelation produces, it, it, it broke down so many of my old convictions that, that made it quite easy for me to judge others. Because I was right by my own definition, and you were wrong, obviously. Um, and that, those kind of convictions, God needed to break down, absolutely. And there's other convictions that I do believe they are the essence of who Jesus is, and they cannot be renegotiated or reinterpreted. Um, having said all of this, I might see things different in six months' time.
Yeah, because he just he keeps revealing his amazing goodness to me. That I'm gonna, I just I, I I know nothing. I really don't. It's sitting here thinking. Um, that's why I like ebooks because you can send out revise ca um, chapters if you, if you realize that, oh, I don't believe that chapter anymore, my own book, let's, let's change it. <clears throat> Andy Britton says that, like, theology has to be written in pencil. And it is that, just keep it, stay humble, but stay hungry. That's right. So there's God who calls himself the all-sufficient one. Do you know a Hebrew name? El Shaddai. That's also, it actually, the one who is sufficient for the needs of his people. That is it. The one that's enough. Like, us Germans, when we read Psalm 23 about him pouring, filling our cup, it's like he, he pours in to the full. That's kind of roughly translated. But actually, I love the, the English translation a lot better. My cup runs over. It's like, he gives and, hoo-hoo, this is, it's not like, oh, this is enough. You know, it's, oh, it's, it's, it's enough. Otherwise, we'll waste stuff. Otherwise, we'll spill some of his goodness, some of his blessing. Just stop. Like, oh, this is enough. This should be left. You know, otherwise, they won't be left for, I don't know, whoever it is. <laughs> and God's like, no. When I give, I give to the point of being wasteful. It's... It's not the story of the prodigal son, the wasteful son. It's actually the story of the wasteful father. He's, he's given the son everything that he wanted and he deserved. Then he comes back and he restores him. And he starts the restoration process with another over-the-top feast. It's like, this is who dad is. This is who God is. He is all-sufficient. He's more than enough. He, like, he meets your needs to the point where you're like, oh. and, and then we're right back to whoever's been forgiven much, loves much. And, and if I think that he only has a little for me, gratefulness will only be a little inside of me as well. But when I realize how, how he pours himself into me, it's like, oh, again, worship just arises. Now, about eight years ago, maybe even 10 years ago, we had um, a couple of guys up here, Justin and Dave, and uh, they are like wild, wild stuff. And they're on very different pages from each other right now and from, I guess, where we are in some things, by the way. They came and there was a revelation inside of them that they carried about the abundance of God. Because El Shaddai also means the many-breasted one. Yeah? So that's not a sexual thing of, ooh, God got, got some boobs. <laughs> it's more the, this is where, where the very first contact as a human being that we have with another human being is at the breast of our mom. This is, this is where life is from. This is, this we get fed from. This is where comfort is at. This is why us boys, we still like boobs until the day we die. It's like, oh, they're just glorious. Thank you, God. <laughs> you did something there, something great. But, but this is the place of comfort. This is the place of, of nourishment. This is also the place of protection. And this is the place of intimacy. Because... I don't know at what stage, you probably know that a lot better, the kid's vision develops. It's only certain, can only see us. Yeah, exactly. So you just, just exactly that. Like, I, all I can see is mom's face while I'm blissfully sucking on her boob. Yeah. So here's those two guys coming to Kingsbury Church. They're drunk out of their mind in, in the Holy Spirit. They're like, he's so good. He's El Shaddai. And so Dave's like, Suck at the breast of heaven! <laughs> he said breast in church. Um, and then all, all the teenage boys are like, oh, Jesus, purity, purity. Um, it was funny. It was funny. But that's, that's it. Suck at the breast of heaven. As weird as it is. 
<laughs> He's the God that is enough for all your needs. Yeah, according to the week. Don't quote me though, because I didn't, I didn't come up with that. I don't want to get in trouble either. Um, but because the problem with most destructive behavior in our life is that we're trying to fill a need of acceptance and comfort through whatever. Whether it's food, whether it's shopping, whether it's gambling, whether it's sex, whether it's um, just, just distract me from this. I just need to be distracted. It's just like I need comfort and I need the acceptance that the many-breasted one has for me. I am. We're back to his name. I am exactly what you need right now. <clears throat> ha! 1 John 4 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. And I love this, because fear has to do with punishment. This is crazy. Fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears has not been made perfect in love. The one who fears has not fully understood the perfection of who God is. And the thing is, um, that punishment, that being afraid of God may not be enough and I'm going to suffer the consequences for trusting him. So I'd rather just start trusting myself. That is a sort of punishment too. Or just the very screwed up theology, God's going to hit you if you don't worship him enough. And whatever it is, it's, it, it, it's everything. But his, his love, the perfection thereof, and being made perfect in that love, the more I walk in that, the more fear just has no space in me anymore. Because it's just, I'm only given fear space where I don't believe that his love genuinely, 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 genuinely is enough. Where they say, yeah, but. It's like, oh. And then on that, yeah, but. It doesn't even need to be anything from the devil. Yeah? It just can be just our own head. And I'm sure that, you know, the enemy loves jumping on anything that we think wrong. It's just like, should God have said? It's like, really? Are you, are you really sure that this is, all of a sudden, are you really sure that God is enough? It's just like he's back at just questioning the love, the genuine the El Shaddai attribute of who God is, where he says, guys, I'm enough. I'm enough. He's like, ah, is he really enough? Is he really enough? A little bit of chocolate is still needed. Yeah. And now, like, there's, there's some acceptable comfort things that we think that we, we even laugh about it and we joke about it. Retail therapy. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah? But no, like when you have to go shopping to make yourself feel better. Yeah. Oh, I just need a, and I ate a, I ate a bar of chocolate and I just felt better. And everybody's like, oh, 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 isn't that funny? Like, nobody says, oh, and then I had to go to a brothel and I just felt better afterwards. And, but nobody, to God, in terms of filling the hole, it's the same thing. Absolutely the same thing. You're not looking to me to fill that need that actually only I can fill. And then you can enjoy these things in the godly context that I have provided for all of those bits. <clears throat> Genesis 15 um, God comes to Moses ah, Moses, Abram and he was actually still Abram there um, and he says I love this, don't be afraid Abram Abram, I'm your shield and your very great reward now this is Abram who's just and I've listened to the first podcast of Andre Rab he, he's talking about that, Abram just following where we going doesn't matter uh, who are you uh, that is a good question but let's just figure that out as we go well, I'm going to tell my people I ah, don't worry about them it's like ah uh, who are we going to take oh everybody just, just, just your whole family how, how are we going to provide for stuff ah, don't worry like this is Abraham this and God meets him and says don't be afraid I'm your shield you don't have to protect yourself and I'm your very, um, you don't also have to look after yourself in terms of, and this is, I have nothing against insurance companies. Yeah? Um, 
some insurances are actually needed in our society. You're not allowed to own a car without being insured. There's other insurances that are optional, and some others are plain weird. But whether they are legally required or not, the, the source of every insurance, and I'm not, even, I'm not talking about this, I just want to state it as a statement, is fear. And it's my attempt to control the possibility of the future being bad. That's, this, is, this, is, this is what insurance is. Let's take this a bit further. The goodness of God is not going to last forever. Eventually, something bad is going to happen, and I have to look after myself, because God will not. Yeah? God is not Al Shaddai in everything, because actually, accidents happen. People die. People do get sick. So let's have health insurance. Let's have... <coughs> Um, life insurance, let's have whatever other insurance. So this is genuinely, genuinely, because I'm not saying this is bad, cancel all your insurances, please hear me right. I'm just stating as a fact that this is, just, just be brutally honest with ourselves. This is where, this is the source of it. If there was no fear of tomorrow, nobody would have an insurance. I'm telling you, nobody would have one. And God is like, here am I. He says, I am your shield. I, I am your shield. And Moses and Abraham's like, yeah, but how about health insurance? <laughs> yeah. And God's like, oh, yeah, I forgot. I, I'm your shield in everything except your health. Let me rephrase. What, what about um, life insurance? Yeah, I, I know. I'm your shield except for your health and for um, accidental death. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, no. It's like, I'm your shield. Without any small print, without any what-ifs or section C, oh, so you're not covered under the goodness of God in that aspect. No. <laughs> and your very great reward. I am, I am El Shaddai. I'm the one that provides. Now, in this context here, it's very easy to believe in the goodness of God. It really is. You actually have to have more faith in what is the opposite of goodness? The evilness of God? The badness of God? The, the badass God. <laughs> He's a badass. But <clears throat> because actually everybody here tells you how good God is. <clears throat> and that's a, that's, that's a culture here. And that, that belief gets reinforced with stories that we tell each other and just how we are encountering each other. And Andy comes in and he's just happy constantly. And Sharon just cries just because she's like melting at the goodness of who God is. And it's like, flip and heck, he's good. And you're like, you know, a day, two days, three days into the school, you think, I think God is, God is good. And before long, you're like, you're telling people, you know what, God is good. Yeah, it's, just, it's in this culture, in this environment, it's really easy. But I'm telling you, everything that can be shaken will be shaken. Not because God wants to sabotage your relationship with Him and tell you how little faith you actually have. No. But Paul puts it like this in Corinthians. I think it's 1 Corinthians 3 where he talks, Nobody can lay a foundation except the one that has been laid, which is Christ Jesus. But... However you build on that foundation, that's up to you. Some people build with stuff that is easily destroyed, like hay, wood, straw, three little pigs, okay? You, you know the story. The bad wolf comes and it just doesn't work. Some other people build with stuff that lasts into eternity, which is gold, jewels, precious stones. And how you, are, how you have built is being tested by the fire. That's a weird concept. And some people, I'm paraphrasing now, will make it into heaven, having barely escaped the fire but still smelling of smoke. Yeah? So it's not, the foundation isn't the question anymore. It's not, your, your salvation is not the question, but it's how you build your life. Are you building it upon the goodness of God that is unshakable? Or are you building it on, yeah, but let me do my own thing as well because I've got reasons, I've got experience. In my past, it was like this. And, uh, and for your sake, because when we are building with stuff that isn't good, the last ones to notice it is us. Sometimes it's like bad breath. It's right underneath your nose, but you're the last one that notices it. 
It really is. So you need community to tell you, why are you so, you constantly talk about health and diet and fitness and, and it, it's all good, but it seems like you're obsessed with it. Why are you so worried about being sick or why are you so worried about, it, it needs community in order to address some things where, where, when we don't even realize that we start building upon Jesus but with straw and hay, stuff that actually does not last into eternity. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And everything will... God is the ultimate pyro. He's going to burn down your house. And I don't mean this in a judgment day, anything like this. He's just like, so you know which bits actually last, which bits... This is stuff... Peter puts it this way, like, guys, rejoice when there's trials and tribulations. And I, no, I, I, usually I complain or I call my intercessors saying the devil is up to no good and he's chasing me again. It's like, no, rejoice, because that is going to produce this. It's going to produce patience. It's going to produce enduring. It's going to produce long-suffering. And that hope that to which is going to lead, it's not going to disappoint. It's, it's that sort of... We're so, in our society, we, we're so programmed to avoid discomfort at any cost, yeah? Even just hunger. I need to have fast food now because I can't be bothered to go shopping and cooking and all of this. This is a bad example because I love burgers. Um, but um, but we're, we're, we're avoiding any sort of discomfort. This is, honestly... Uh, Relationships break down because at some point it's easier to walk away than to fight through this thing. Uh, Ruth and I, we had the toughest year this year. Just circumstances just took it all out of us. And I just brutally honest, like we've talked about, is this really worth it all? Like, isn't, wouldn't it be easier to get a divorce? And... As soon as you put that word on the table, you realize this, this is, so this is not a judgment on people should do better or worse. I'm just saying there's, there's in our society, it's so easy or it's acceptable to get to the point where actually, let's forget it. And um, this thing of, I think I've got everything together. I've got everything sorted. I know what I'm doing. And God, in his mercy, burns everything down that can be burned so I can see where growth is needed. Does that make sense? Because I don't see it. When I'm, when I'm one of the three little piggies that builds a house with straw, I'm thinking, it's a flipping good house. Like, look at my house. It's just great. And Jesus is like, yeah, but when the rain comes, yeah, it's, it's going to washed away when the fire comes. So in this, in this environment, God is good. God is good all the time. Yeah, Christmas is coming soon. And you, I don't know what you guys are doing, going back to your families, doing some other stuff, or even after the school. You're ripped out of this environment. And actually, now you're being put in another environment that may not enforce this culture that you lived in here, and all of a sudden people don't believe that God is good all the time. Actually, now people will be like, oh, no, if I don't think he's good. Well, I think he's good to some people. And look, uh, hold on a second, this is not what, and, and, and or other bits, people just don't forgive. I just, that's, no. And here forgiveness is like, this is normal. Like, if I've done something, I, I apologize, but not because I'm asking you for forgiveness. I'm kind of already expecting you to forgive me in a weird sense. I'm apologizing because I want our relationship to be all right. But this has nothing to do with you still holding a grudge because I kind of trust your walk with Jesus and your, you having to sort out your own hearts and forgiving me before I even ask for forgiveness. Yeah, this is just... And all of a sudden you come home and people are like, no, you're an idiot. I won't forgive you. I'm not even going to talk to you. Ha, I had this coming back from the school of ministry. Ah, that, that was a bad, bad thing happened at home. Relationship fell apart. And I came back from Toronto after a year and a half wanting to apologize. And people were like, no, 
don't want to forgive you. And I was like, I, I, I didn't have a concept for, you what? I thought you were a Christian. You know, it's like, it wasn't even an accusation. It was like, huh? And, and, and then stuff in, my, in me comes up. And I, well, if you don't want to forgive that, I don't want to talk to you either. Well, because I know my heart's all right. Because I, I wanted to ask for forgiveness so I know that I'm right. Blah, blah, blah. And, and it's these things. Stuff will be shaken. Not to prove to you how bad you are. But if there is still straw, hay, wood in your life, where God says, actually, in this area, you're fooling yourself, thinking you're strong because you're, you're in this environment. That in, you, this is a greenhouse that, that really, in a good way, enforces the culture of heaven. But unless it becomes your own, you, 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 can, you can thrive. You can thrive in this environment, thinking yourself strong spiritually, or emotionally, Proverbs puts it this way. If you fall in the day of opposition, your strength has never been much. It's, it's this, everybody can praise God when they win the lottery. Yeah? It's just, ah, oh, praise the Lord. Of course, praise the Lord. You just won the lottery. Of course, God is good because Andy's been telling you constantly. Yeah? But do you believe that God is good? When everybody around tells you, no, he isn't. Or when even circumstances may want to convince you otherwise. So here he is. God comes to Abraham and says, I'm your shield. I'm your very great reward. Trust me. Actually, Abraham, I'm going to call you Abraham, father of many nations. And Abraham's like, come on, God. Don't, don't rub salt in the wound. I don't, I don't even have one kid yet. Like, not... We're not talking about father of nation, we're talking about father of nations. Are you this? Uh, mm. Let's read Genesis 22, because that's, that's the story. We all know that. With, um, actually, do we have the, the children's Bible still in the, um, in the office? Could I have that? That'd be great. Later on, God tested Abraham's faith and obedience. Whew, okay? We don't like that. Because actually, for us, in our society, a test is to reveal our weaknesses. And that feels as if God is interested in showing us up. The, the, the problem is not with God not knowing where you're at. The problem is that you don't often know, don't know where you're at. And only actually when you walk through a test do you realize this is really who I am. Thank you, Jesus, for showing me who I am. Does, does that make sense? It's not God sitting at the edge of the seat in heaven thinking, Timo, I'm rooting for you. Don't mess up. Don't mess up. You promised me never to look at pornography again on Saturday night. I can't look. The angels tell me if he's doing it or not. This is not, it's not like that. It's this whatever there's a big difference between temptation and test, first of all, okay? Big, big difference. And the difference is um, the temptation is in order, perfect, to draw you away from. And I, like, let no one said God tempts him. I don't believe that God tempts people. That, that would be the most silly thing. That would be God trying to um, sabotage that relationship. But testing is something completely different. And the testing is much more that of the MOT, the TÜV that we have in Germany. The, like, we're just going to make sure that everything is the way it's supposed to be. And if something isn't, then you just haven't failed and you're not allowed to drive your car again. Now you get to take the car into the garage and say, hey, we need to work on the brakes. But then, then we're good again. And this is a bit like tests where it's like, yeah. God called Abraham. Yes, he replied. Here I am. Take your son, your only son. Yes, Isaac, whom you love so much. That reminds me very much on John 3.16. Yeah? Your son, your only son, whom you love so much. 
For God so loved the world that he sent his only son. Yeah, this is, and I love this. Everything, everything, everything points to Jesus. He is the center of the universe in space and in time. Even before Jesus was manifest in the flesh, he is. I love this. He says, before Abraham was, I am. He's, he's messing with our grammar as well. Because he is. He just is. Like, Guys, I, I am. Full stop. That's why they wanted to stone him. Because he's like, excuse me? You what? I am. Like, no, you're not. Yes, I am. <laughs> Go to the land of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will point out to you. <clears throat> now, that was nothing unusual. Because... Like, sacrificing your firstborn is just a very normal thing. Yeah, we, we sacrifice our firstborn. We, we let our children go through, through the fire in order to um, worship the demon Moloch. And so, so for Abraham, following this God who he knows nothing about. Yeah, he doesn't have the Bible to read. He's got, he's got nothing. And it's like, oh, okay, so maybe he's a God like that, that wants that. And this is, again, what I told you guys before about humanity discovering who God is. And when humanity gets off track about who they think God is, God's like, whoa, 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 I'm not like this. And this is one of those stories where it ends up God saying, like, whoa, 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 I'm not like this. So the other thing is, there's, there's a big thing. Because um, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will point out to you. The next morning, Abraham got up early. There's something about quick obedience. You are the most sober, spiritually speaking, when you are drunk, spiritually. Yeah? Um, wh whether you are actually drunk in the Holy Spirit, whether you're worshipping in His presence, full of the Holy Spirit, whatever terminology you want to use. But when God speaks, there is grace in His command that stirs faith for you to answer correctly to the command, to the request, to the challenge that God gives. God spoke and it was light. God spoke and it was. I found in my life, I usually, that usually happens in worship because he's a bit sneaky. Because I'm just so, Jesus, oh, you're so good. I forget all about my worries and, you know, the bare necessities and were in Jesus. Uh, give money away. What? <laughs> it's like, I did not see this coming. I was like busy loving on Jesus and Holy Spirit. It's like, bless that person. It's like, ah. Oh. And then my brain kicks in. Yeah, but that person doesn't deserve it. Yeah, because they were spending money unhealthily. They just bought themselves the third flat screen TV. That's ridiculous. And they, they're always complaining about money, but always go and have takeaway. So, no. Yeah. And, and he, right there, he speaks. This is me personally. And I hear him the most clearly. Now, when I, when I say, all right, Holy Spirit, thanks you for telling me, I will consider it. I will take it under advice. Yeah? Then um, um, I'll take a day or two to journal about, you know, ask the other two of the Godhead, <laughs> what they think. <laughs> Jesus and the Father, ah, Holy Spirit, renegade spirit, just doing stuff that he wasn't commanded to do. No, um, but I find enough reasons not to obey. Good reasons, spiritual reasons. Yeah, I don't have the money, I don't have the time, I don't have the skills, I don't have, whatever it is. I find in that moment, that's when there's grace for me to walk in faith. So right there, I have to say, yes, God. I don't understand why. I don't even want to check my bank account whether there is enough money. Now, this is just an example. It's, it's anything, yeah? It's just, yes. Because there's something about quick obedience that if you think about it for too long, ah, more often than not, you're not going to end up doing this. So Abraham, early the next morning, it's like, I'm not going to waste any time. We don't even know whether he had a chat with his wife about it because... That would have gone a completely different way. <laughs> By the way, honey, <clears throat> I'm going to go and, you know, grab Junior here and uh, go for a little walk. Where are you going? Ah, don't worry. What are you going to do? Uh, <clears throat> sacrificing? <laughs> what? 
you mean who? You know, it's just like, like you're not gonna do that. So he just, I know this is funny now. I'm not sure Abraham slept that night. So he goes. That's Seth, the reason why he got up early. Yeah, exactly. He's like, ah, oh, I may as well just go. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped the wood to build a fire, a burnt offering, and set out for the palace, at uh, the place where God had told him to go. On the third day of the journey, Abram saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey. Now listen to this. Abram told the young man, the boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there and then we will come back right back. It says Abraham had, he was going to sacrifice his son. And he has no idea how God is going to hold up his end of his promises. But God said, Isaac, this is the boy through whom these promises will come to pass. So God, if you want me to kill this kid, you have to raise him back to life. We will go up and we will come back together. There was faith inside him. No, like, there wasn't like, oh, God's going to change his mind last minute. No, no, no. It's like, this is going to happen. And I leave this up to God, how he's going to revive stuff. I find this without dreams, without expectations, with the stuff. We hear prophetic words and often we interpret them through. No, all the time we interpret them through the lens of the circumstances that we are in at that moment. And God may have actually not meant it that way. Yeah, I'm not trying to give wiggle room for the prophetic not to happen. Quite the opposite. I, I love the prophetic. Um, but, but there's this thing about when he speaks, he knows what he's saying. And we may actually need to change our interpretation of some things because what we heard God say five years ago to actually what he meant, which is going to happen in 10 years' time, is going to, it looks very differently. Same word, but just different application. Um, Abram placed the wood on the, of the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulder while he himself carried the knife in the fire. And the two of them went on together. Isaac said, um, Said, Isaac said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. <clears throat> we have the wood and we have the fire, said the boy. But where's the lamb for the sacrifice? God will provide a lamb, my son. Yeah, this is just El Shaddai. I don't know, what, I don't know what's going to happen. <clears throat> we, and they both went on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told Abraham to go, he built an altar, he placed the wood on it, he tied Isaac up, he laid him on the altar over the wood. Now, at no point did Isaac struggle. There's like this, this crazy thing of, Dad, I have no idea what you are doing right now. If there's any other way, could you let this cup go by? But not my will, but you will be done. This is the most beautiful Golgotha story ever. Isaac is just, and Jesus, the perfect son, is actually embracing the cross. He endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. It's like there wasn't a fighting against it. There was a, I, I have no idea what this is. And this is not a um, masochistic streak of Jesus or of Isaac. It's like, yeah, hit me more because I deserve it. No, it's just like, I don't understand this. This is not going to be fun either. But I know that you love me. And I know that you are good. Not because the church has been telling me, but because I know and if you don't know, at that point, you will start fighting God. I'm telling you. And I've seen so many Christians praising God. And then that point comes where it's like, yeah, but there's stuff in your life that is holding you back because you still think it has to be this way. But that dream almost has to die in order for that that I really have for you. For me personally, I thought I was going to be a rock star. Um, music was my life. I was just... Um, after doing the ministry school, I wanted to apply to music university. Well, I did. And, um, and when, they, when they denied me, it was my identity crumbled because this is what I was going to do and be for the rest of my life. And it hurt. It hurt a lot. And then God could actually show me what he really had for my life. And didn't take music away, but actually the stuff that he placed inside of me with music I dreamt it differently than what God has. 
I'm so glad he did because what, what I have right now, thank you, Jesus. Genuinely, thank you, Jesus. But there was stuff, there was my wrong interpretation of desires and dreams or my wrong approach or where I put, where I put security in or my identity in skills or dreams or this is what my destiny is going to be like. That had to be killed. And stuff that isn't of God it has to stay on the mountain. Don't bring it back down again. Let that stuff burn up. But he's like, oh, but there's gold in there. There's precious stones. There's stuff inside this boy, inside this girl. That, that is stuff that is eternal value already. They know how to love. They know how to honor. They know how to submit themselves. They know how to embrace people even if they disagree with them. They have learned to walk in humility. Oh, yes. Okay? <clears throat> he tied Isaac up, laid him on the altar over the wood, and Abraham took the knife and lifted it up to kill his son as a sacrifice to the Lord. That moment, the angel of the Lord shouted to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham! He said, I'm listening. Lay down the knife, the angel said. Do not hurt the boy in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld even your beloved son from me. And then... He finds the ram in the bushes. And then Abraham named the place El Shaddai. The Lord will provide. I'm going to read you the story again. If you don't have this Bible, I'm telling you, buy it. This, I'm, I'm not kidding. In, in English, um, I love reading the, the New American Standard in, in German, I'm reading the Schlachter. Um, this is, honestly, this is by no means the, the complete Bible. It has a couple of stories and more pictures than words in it. But this is the Jesus Storybook Bible. Every story whispers his name. Have you, have, has somebody read your story? Or? Oh, you're missing out. So here it comes. Okay. The present. Because this whole story is about God's secret rescue plan, how he's going to rescue humanity, how he's going to make untrue every sad thing, every bad thing. God knew that his secret rescue plan could only work if Abraham trusted him completely. God had to make sure Abraham would do whatever he asked. So a few years later, God asked Abraham to give him a present. Abraham liked giving God presents. He gave God his animals, and they were called sacrifices, and they were a way to say, I love you, to God. But this time, God didn't want a lamb or a goat. God wanted Abraham to give him something more, much more. He wanted Abraham to give him his son, his only son, the son he loved, Isaac. Put his boy on the altar and kill him as a sacrifice? How could God want him to do such a terrible thing? Abraham didn't understand, but he knew that God was his father who loved him. And so Abraham trusted him. Early the next morning, Abraham and Isaac set off. They climbed the steep, stony trail up the mountain. Isaac carried the, carried the wood on his back, and his father carried the knife and the coals. Papa, Isaac said, we have everything except we forgot the lamb for the sacrifice. God will give us a lamb, son, Abraham said. They built an altar and laid the wood on top. Abraham asked his son to climb on top of the wood. Isaac didn't understand, but he knew his father loved him, and so he trusted him. He climbed up onto the altar, and Abraham tied his boy to the wood. Isaac didn't struggle or try to run away. He just lay there quietly and didn't make a sound. Everything was ready. Abraham took the knife. Tears were filling up his eyes. Pain was filling up his heart. His hand was shaking. He lifted the knife high into the air. Stop! God said, don't hurt the boy. I want him to live and not die. Now I know that you love me because you would have given me your only son. And Abraham felt his heart leap with joy. His un he unbound Isaac and folded him in his arms. Great sobs shook the old man's whole body. Scalding tears filled his eyes. And for a long time, they stayed there like that in each other's arms, the boy and his dad. Suddenly, Abraham saw a ram caught in some brambles, the sacrifice. God had given them what they needed just in time. The ram would die so that Isaac didn't have to. 
And so Abraham sacrificed the ram instead of his son. And as they sat there on the mountaintop, watching the embers of the fire die in the cool of the night, the stars above them sparkling in the velvet sky, God helped Abraham and Isaac understand something. God wanted his people to live, not die. God wanted to rescue his people, not punish them. But they must trust him. One day, someone will be born into your family, God promised them, and he will bring happiness to the whole world. God was getting ready to give the whole world a wonderful present. It would be God's way to tell his people, I love you. Many years later, another son would climb another hill, carrying wood on his back. Like Isaac, he would trust his father to do what his father asked. He wouldn't struggle or run away. Who was he? God's son, his only son, the son he loved, the Lamb of God. Everything, everything is it's screaming Jesus. Abraham knew that God is El Shaddai. And Isaac may have not known, but he trusted his dad. And it really does come down to that. Do you know? No. Not because you heard somebody talk about it. Not because you've been to high destiny. But have you encountered God as your faithful dad? Because if you haven't, I'm telling you, when the time comes to trust him because he's got something better for you, you will fight him and you will accuse him and you will not be able to go through the stuff, however painful it is. And, and there will be some painful times ahead. Welcome to life. It's not even God being a bad guy at all, quite the opposite. But there's stuff in us that sometimes our worldview, our, our view of God or our view of who we're going to be, it's just we kind of dreamt it in one way. And God's like, ah, the desire is for me, but the way you thought it was going to be, it's just not, that's not going to happen, but it's going to be this way. Would you allow me to take you to the altar and trust me that it's going to be good? Because I am El Shaddai. There's, um, music was my everything. It really was. <clears throat> Every weekend I either played with my band or I went to concerts. I wanted to be a rock star, Christian rock star, but a rock star nonetheless. And, uh, and then I kind of, okay, maybe I'll be a, a worship rock star. Yeah? I'll just do lots of worship. And then I remember I was, I was already um, on staff in Toronto. And uh, um, I was leading worship one day with my guitar. It's that guitar, I took that to Toronto. And uh, as I was done with worship, I heard God say, and today's the last time that you led worship and that you play guitar. Oh. And uh, I gave my guitar to a friend. It's like, I don't think I'll be needing that anymore. And it was a journey for me, a couple of months, where I had to learn to worship God without stuff that I put myself together as a crutch to, this is who I am in worship. I'm the guy on stage. I'm the guy that does this. Just like, and, and my time in Toronto was a time of God stripping me of stuff that I wasn't even aware of, but I was hiding behind. Like, I had the biggest pants, honestly, like, I had fit in them three times. Dreadlocks, hardcore music only. I was I, I, scoffing at pop. Pop is just, and all worship is just happy pop. It's just, it's, what, what is that? You know, just like, there's no passion in pop. That, so I thought. Yeah, you, you, I, I'm just like coming from a place of, and, uh, and then you just like acoustic guitar, Christian, um, and we will sing and we will shout. Nobody's shouting and they will dance and nobody's dancing. It's like, what, what is this? Yeah. So for me, there was a lot of just God stripping stuff away. It's like, Timo, but that's not you. you. You're putting this together because actually deep down, you're insecure about who you think you are. You don't know who you are yet. So you have to hide. For me, it was always a compensating for being a Christian because I thought being a Christian is not cool. So I have to, I'm already starting on in the minus, in the red with my friends because I'm a Christian. Now I have to compensate for, you know, if they want to, if, if I want them to like me, then I have to be extra cool. I have to earn their whatever it is. So second week of the school ministry, I, 
I get asked to cut my hair. And I, I don't get asked, I, um, I get given a choice. You can either cut your hair or go home. <laughs> it's like, it's like um, whew. so uh, let me think about this. Quick obedience. Um, it, was, it was in the morning. We always started with worship, just like we do here. And during worship, I was asked into the, um, the director's office. Now, that's another thing. As soon as authority asks you, can I have a word with you? Yeah, panic kicks in. Because we are being taught that authority only engages with you to punish. Whoever fears has not been made perfect in love because fear has to do with punishment. Or something God's like, stop accusing your authority to be against you. Because that's why you're always worried. That's why you constantly, can I have a word with you? Oh, crap. Yep. So, can I have a word with you? Oh. And then they were so apologetic and so sorry, but it doesn't really matter why. But Timo, we, we have to ask you to cut your hair. Um, or, or, or you can go home. <laughs> Still a choice. It really is. And, oh, I'm, you know, self-righteousness, blah, blah, blah. And I'm checking with God, and it's not an idol. And genuinely, I'm just constantly asking God, what, I don't want to have anything between you and me. <clears throat> and while everybody's worshipping, I'm back at, in my room. I'm saying, if I don't cut my hair now, I will get so angry, so bitter, so self-righteous, that I will not do it, and I will fly home. And for the rest of my life, I will be bitter toward these people, toward that um, type of Christianity, and I will miss out what God has for me here. So I'm going to cut my hair, even though I think this is wrong. Yeah. What was the reason for it? Back then, that was like that's 20 years ago. So the whole world was watching Toronto, um, and and it was right at the beginning of. God TV and all of that stuff. And us students, we were on the ministry team and praying for people, so constantly cameras on us and um, strangers. There's new people every night, new people were there. And people just didn't know what to do with dreads except to put them in the Rastafari um, category. So we just don't want to give the wrong, wrong impression. We, we know where you're at, Timo. But the people that you're going to pray for, they will think that you're Rastafari smoking up and worshipping Jah, whoever Jah is. Yeah? Okay? So therefore, we just don't want to give a wrong impression. I'm just like, oh. so quick obedience. Cut my hair. And uh, that was one of the hardest things I ever did. And I felt so, I felt doubly self-righteous afterwards. Like, there you have it. Cut my hair. You happy now? Um, I was just broken. And what God did afterwards was so beautiful. Because all of a sudden, it's like now I'm giving my guitar away. Now I don't look cool anymore. And I'm just like, actually, who am I? And who I am, I'm so afraid that it's not enough. Because I don't have anything that can impress you anymore. I'm a funny guy. But I was so bad at English that I couldn't be myself. I could hardly have a conversation with anybody. So I couldn't be the funny guy either. I couldn't, I, I couldn't be. And, and it's, like, it's his grace. It is his grace that he stripped all this stuff away that I didn't even know that I was hiding behind. I didn't even know I was building with hay, with wood, with straw. And he's like, Timo, I know that you don't know. But would you trust me? This looks shit. It does. And it feels like that. But would you trust me? Just like Isaac trusted his dad, like Abraham trusted God, like Jesus trusted his father, would you trust me that what I'm doing is always good? And man, now I can say thank you, Jesus. Because that was, that was the beginning of me allowing God to meet me. Because the thing is, when you meet God with a mask of coolness or whatever, the mask gets the love, not you. And you walk away just as empty as before. But when all that stuff just shatters, burns up, and the real you, however ugly you think it may be, but that you encounters God, and that you gets loved on by God, and that you gets spoken identity into. And that is amazing. 
And so, yeah, gave my guitar away and this process. And all of a sudden, and I had to just to learn to worship God. I had to, this, I hated clapping. Because, uh, honestly, I hate clapping, not, not even clapping on one and three, which is bad for anybody. As white people, we don't know how to clap to begin with. But, but in the hardcore scenes, it's like you, you, you headbang or you groove or you just, you mosh. But you don't, you never clap. Clapping is pop. Clapping is nice. Clapping is, oh, yeah? And then God's just like, give me a clap offering. <laughs> and honestly, like he's stripping everything from me. And there I am. I remember standing there thinking this is gonna this oh. and I start clapping. It's like this is I'm watching myself. I'm cringing because I'm clapping. It's like oh, Timo, you've become another white poppy Christian, yeah? You know, you're clapping to acoustic guitar worship. And 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 in all of this, he's just stripping in his grace more and more of my cool facade away that and then the next thing he asked me is Timo, start dancing. It's like I'm white, God. I'm, I, don't, I don't dance. So we had these big wooden sticks, like worship sticks, like honestly, massive. And I was just like, this is it, I'm going to dance. I'm just like, it was good holding on to something. Uh, I was like dancing around it, shaking it up in the air. The most embarrassing thing I've ever done. But it was one of those, God, I don't, I don't, I re it sounds wrong but it's not but God if you want to break me break me because if there's stuff that isn't good it needs to go and it ha doesn't have to do with whether God would accept me or love me anymore it was it's like Timo you're missing out on encountering me because actually the real you is still hiding behind all that stuff and my love doesn't get through you're not allowing it through because you still fool yourself thinking I'm proud of you because you're cool or I'm proud of you because you read your Bible more than other people do. I'm telling you, I am the most, I, ah, uh, I got in so much trouble because of where I'm at with grace already and I will keep going because this is what Jesus is revealing to me more and more and more. But because of that, I can throw myself on the altar. And this is not I'm carrying my cross daily crap. Not like that. Not beating myself up. I don't, I don't have to die daily. None, none of that business. But this is a complete surrender to Jesus. It's like, you know me better than I know myself. And where I'm fooling myself, thank you that you see through that. Jesus, after he got baptized... What was the very next thing that he did? Ah, uh, that was a bit after. Come on. He went into the desert. Oh, yeah. yeah? Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Not the devil. The Holy Spirit led him into the desert. What is this about? Because we like to be delivered from the desert. Nobody likes to be delivered into the desert. Yeah? And there's this thing of, and then it says, and after those 40 days, you know, Jesus, I love, the, I love this desert thing. Because Jesus is the son of Adam. He is the son of man. He's not the second Adam. He's the last one because he's going to make an end to that fallen humanity. And for the first time where Adam fell, where, where, where Satan came and, and brought doubts into that relationship between the father and his children. Jesus, as the son of Adam, he stood and he said, but God has said so. It is written. I will not deviate. I will not, I will not allow any doubt or fear to come in between my relationship between me and my father. That is the most, for me, after the cross, that is the most glorious moment in history. Where for the first time, a son of Adam stood where for 5,000 years, nobody could. It's glorious. And, and after all of this, he gets fed by the angels. It's great. They come and minister to him because he was very hungry, obviously, after 40 days. 
And then he says, and he left the desert, he came out and was full of the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and there's stuff that is just like, I, don't under, I really don't understand this. But even Jesus had to learn obedience through the things that he suffered. I don't understand, it's just in the book. Yeah, so until I understand, I'm just going to take it. So there is bits where you will fight God tooth and nail if you don't know that he's El Shaddai. Because you will think he's going to take stuff away from you. And you will be there lacking at the end. But if you know that he's El Shaddai, because you're like, because we're like a dog that has an old bone. There's nothing in it anymore that is of any worth, any nutrition. And God's like, just give me that bone. I've got something better for you. No! No, no, no. That's exactly what we are. And God's like, how about, how about we just take the bone? And then we start biting God. We start fighting against God. Because God, you're so mean. God, you're, I thought you're loving. I thought you're for me. What is all this about? Yeah? And we start accusing God. Until we realize that actually God's waiting there with a stake all along. But we cannot see the stake because we accuse him of being just like other people, not like who he is. And we have made God in our image rather than realizing that we've been created in his image. He is good. When he says, I am for you, when he says, I am El Shaddai, trust me, I am everything that you need. Like, Ooh, take, take the bone. God, I have no idea what's coming next, but it's got to be better than the bone. Yeah? But you will not do that if you don't know that he's El Shaddai. You will not. And then what's going to end up is 40 days in the desert, going around the mountain, going around the mountain, accusing God. See? See? We should have gone back to Egypt. See? Like stupid stuff. They, they came up with, they accused God of insane. God brought us out into the desert because the graves in Egypt were full. That was one of the reasoning. He's going to kill us in the desert because there was no space to kill us in Egypt. Absolute idiocracy. Yet that was the reasoning. When you... When you're in that thing of you realize God for your own good, but you don't see that and you feel like even God is fighting against me. It's like, no, it's like this is an altar. There's just stuff there that is still hay, wood and straw. And you don't even see it yet, Timo, but can you trust me? Can you trust me? And the more identity we'll get out of those desires, the more it'll hurt to leave them there because, ah, what if God is taking that one away? What if it's not going to happen the way I thought it would be? And God's like, yeah, but I've got a stake. I've got a stake. I've got a stake. And for me, it was, I'm not a rock star. I'm, I'm not a full-time musician. I, God's, I did not like Christians. I love Jesus, but I did not like his church because my history with them, we talked a little bit on the way, to the airport. It's just like been one of against, against, against. I'm just like, if you guys want to be against me, I, I, I don't need you. Yeah? And God's like, but Timo, I've got something for you. And he started giving me a love for his bride. I'm like, oh, my goodness. If I was going to be a rock star, a Christian rock star, I'd be a cynical Christian rock star. I wouldn't be much help to the kingdom at all. And so guys, this is... May you encounter El Shaddai, genuinely El Shaddai, in every aspect where there is still fear, in every aspect where there is still just not sure. Thank you for listening to the Destiny Podcast. For further information, check out www.idestiny.org.uk.